To know about the future, you gotta know the past. So we're looking at rookies today. How are they gonna contribute in 2023? How'd they do this year? What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews. I am your host, John Delray. Yeah, there's lots of Packers stuff in the news right now. We got Gronk calling out Aaron Rodgers for MVP versus Super Bowl nonsense. We've got Rodgers very admittedly not helping himself a whole ton in the whole, like, media uh, skepticism and speculating department as he goes on McAfee and expounds on what the Packers need to do to bring him back. Uh, so lots going on. I'm going to weigh in on all of that on Friday. Today, I just wanted to take a step back because we're look, beginning to look forward to the draft. We're beginning to look forward to the offseason. And ultimately, the Green Bay Packers had a heck of a rookie class this last year, certainly one of the strongest in the NFL for the 2022 draft. And so I wanted to dive into those rookies a little bit more, dive into the numbers, see how exactly they performed and what grade they get as a participant of the Green Bay Packers. Before we dive in, make sure you hit like, share, subscribe on this video, because I'm doing all the draft picks ranging from first round all the way to the four seventh rounders on this roster. Check back on Friday as I recap the week that is the life of Aaron Rodgers, and then I'm also going to ex explore the salary cap, figure out what exactly the Packers can do to open up more room, what kind of position are they in. All of that coming before I do take a hiatus next week, take a week off so that I can work on a few other projects for the channel as well as, you know, my life, uh, and direct some attention there. Uh, so next week, no Lombardi time brews, but Friday, a big episode of Salary Cap and Aaron Rogers. So let's dive in. Draft pick number one, that would be Quay Walker. The numbers on Quay Walker are pretty impressive. Now, there were some flaws in his game, certainly. Many of us know what they are. A lot of it came to do with his decision-making. Uh, which uh, which lane do you pursue in attempting to bring down the running back? Issues such as that, which is not that uncommon for a rookie, but they were really magnified with Quay Walker, especially when Devondre Campbell had his injury-related absence. In spite of that, though, he still collected 87 tackles on the year, 41 stops. Uh, that's the most amongst all rookies. A stop is defined by PFF as a tackle that basically stops the offense's progress, causes a failure of an offensive play. So he, he created 41 offensive failures. He had three forced fumbles, that's second amongst rookies, 12 pressures, which is first among rookies who aren't edge players, and all of this amongst 800 snaps logged as a rookie. He even had the communication helmet for a long stretch of time during Campbell's injury. In terms of grades, yeah, 51.9 out of PFF. And I can tell you that that number was predominantly dragged down because of his rush defense grade being only 34.9. <laughs> But ultimately, here you have a guy who had a really strong tackle percentage, made a number of tackles on his own, 87 being the total number. But the biggest thing is you saw from Quay, you saw the physical tools that made him a first-round pick. 
The Packers very occasionally experimented with him at the edge, experimented with him in different blitz packages, and yeah, admittedly, that's a lot easier to do when Devondre Campbell's on the field. Something that the Packers can look forward to in 2023. But you saw why the Packers were so high on him to take him earlier than most draft pundits thought that he should be taken. You see the tools. You see, not that he's ever going to be Micah Parsons, but you see some of the similarities in their games. The ability to fly off of the line of scrimmage. The speed that Quay Walker has. You see it pretty plain as day on the field. He seems to be everywhere wherever the ball is. But what he vastly needs to improve upon is his decision in run-making, his decisions about who to tackle and push versus not. He needs to clean that up. But ultimately, if you've got to assign him a grade, you're looking at B+. This is a very strong rookie year. This is someone who you have to believe has Pro Bowl potential for the Green Bay Packers. Let's move on to their other first-round pick, Devontae Wyatt. Yes, the old of the first-round picks, the old of all of their picks. Darn near 25 years old already. But here's the thing. Devontae Wyatt came on strong towards the end of the year. He ended with a PFF grade of 69.9. Most notable amongst his subgrades would be the 71 in pass rush. And it's true. You see on the field that Devontae Wyatt has a nice assortment of moves. You see the energy that he can bring to the defensive line and the outright disruption that he can cause. In his last three games of the year, he had at least 24 snaps logged every game. He got eight total pressures on the year, two of those resulting in sacks. But the big question that comes with Devontae Wyatt is you saw that he had great ability when on the field. People were clamoring for him to play more before Dean Lowry's injury. Because what really got him on the field that much more was Lowry going down. So the question is, is it because of a defect in Wyatt's game that he didn't play more? Or is it just because the coaches, as we saw a number of times this year, chose to opt for the known commodity as opposed to the risk of the unknown? We saw it a ton this year. Mari Rogers and Keyshawn Nixon, anyone? Still, though, you see the potential, right? So if I'm assessing just this rookie year, I'm giving a C plus. Ultimately, probably disappointing for a first-round pick. But at the same time, you saw the flashes as to why he was picked that way at all. Now moving forward with Dean Lowry being a free agent, Jerron Reed being a free agent, you have to suspect that Devontae Wyatt, his redshirt year for all intents and purposes is complete, and we are going to see Devontae Wyatt as a full-time regular starter in year two. Moving on to the next draft pick would be second round pick Christian Watson. Oh yeah, we know the story here. Injury riddled in the beginning of the year, and then eventually, boy, did he come on. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about Watson because we all know the deal. But he had a 77.1 total grade and a 77.8 receiving grade from PFF. One thing that I didn't expect when diving deeper into the numbers here is he logged a total of 282 snaps this year. 89 of those were from the slot. If you're talking about a six foot five receiver who's, who's fast as the wind, you thinking you're going to put him in the slot? No, generally not. I mean, how often did Randy Moss play in the slot, right? But here, 89, 89 snaps of his 282 came in the slot, which was 31%, a higher rate than Romeo Dobbs, which is quite surprising for a number of reasons. Interesting to see if that wrinkle is going to continue or if that was accommodations for game planning and where he was as a rookie learning the playbook, etc. 
I have a feeling next year, especially given some personnel changes that may occur, we may not see Watson in the slot as much as, as this year on a percentage basis. You know, the other big thing about Watson is obviously the speed is there. Obviously the potential is there. Obviously the physicality is there. But what wasn't always there was the hands. Yeah, he did have some drops. He had five drops this year, resulted in a drop percentage of 10.9%. And obviously that's magnified by his massive drop in week one against the Vikings. But the truth is, those five drops are half of Devontae Adams' worst season, his second season. And that 10.9% was higher than some other notable, or was, I'm sorry, was lower than some other notable receivers across the league, including on playoff teams. So I'm not sure that the reputation for him just being drops is all that valid. It did get better as the year went on. But it will always be magnified by week one against Minnesota. Still, though, look, you're looking for a grade? A. The man has all world potential. If he adds strength, can make the contested catches, given just the absolute physical monster he is, given his speed, his size, and his outright ability, it really is limitless. He could become an icon for the Green Bay Packers. And if he stays long-term, could rank amongst their best of all time. Let's move on to the next guy. Third-round pick, Sean Ryan. Oh, yes, the beautiful third round for the Green Bay Packers. The cursed round. The round that you just hope from here on out that Brian Gutekunst just takes these third-round picks and just, just forfeits them or trades them something. Go get someone who's competent, someone who's capable, because as we know, the third-round pick for the Green Bay Packers for the last decade has been terrible. And that's kind of being nice. The one redeeming player that you can say over the last stretch of time has really been Josiah DeGuara, because you cannot apply it to this year's rookie, Sean Ryan. You want to know how many snaps Sean Ryan logged this year? That would be zero. You want to know how many games he even played this year? Zero. Hmm... Yes, for a third-round pick who was supposed to come in and compete at some of their weaknesses along the offensive line, especially with Elton Jenkins projected to miss the beginning of the year, you've got Yash, who's a bit of a question mark, but he had good faith in. He was supposed to come in and compete, right? And then this is a guy who played in zero games. Got zero snaps. When he was healthy, he was healthy scratches. Towards the end of the year, he even got suspended! This is about as nightmare of a year as you can imagine for any rookie. Be them a seventh-round pick, a first-round pick, or a third. I mean, in week one, they started Jake Hansen at right guard, and Sean Ryan was a healthy scratch. Huh. If, if you, as a third-round rookie who's supposed to come in and compete for starting jobs, can't even unseat Jake Hansen for right guard, and you are, what, fourth on the depth chart at right guard? There is nothing... Nothing to say that was successful about this season for Sean Ryan. What's the grade? F. Now, does that mean that his entire career is going to be F? No, it means his performance this year was an F. We do not know what the deal is with Sean Ryan, but hopefully, hopefully, he turns his career around and become a competent depth piece, at the very least, for the Green Bay Packers. Number four. 
the other wide receiver supernova of the Green Bay Packers, that would be Romeo Dobbs. Ending the year with a PFF grade of 62.6. What's notable, though, is his 51.5 drop grade from PFF. His worst game of the year was absolutely unequivocally the game against Detroit. When they needed him most is perhaps when he folded the most with two key drops. One I think you can attribute more to Rodgers, but the other one was a magnificent throw from Rodgers that just went right through the hands of Romeo Dobbs. His drop percentage was 10.6%, just south of Christian Watson. And what's really fascinating to me, like I mentioned with Watson, is that Dobbs played less in the slot than Watson did. By almost 10%, only 22% of his slaps were in the slot. Ultimately, he ended the year with 42 catches, 425 yards, and three touchdowns. The last of those touchdowns happened in week eight. The thing is, though, Romeo Dobbs was was kind of a deep threat in college. He had some return experience, but a lot of the highlights from his time in college were catching deep balls. And then he gets into Green Bay and, like, actually functions as an NFL receiver, and he looks more like Donald Driver, making contested catches across the middle. Yes, he still dropped some, but he did make a number of contested catches as well, and really not showing a lot of home run ability, or at least not as his go-to trait. So ultimately, what's the grade? A B. For a fourth-round pick, he showed immense world of potential. He certainly is part of your future. It's just not what we expected. Still good. And we'll see if that other part of his game begins to evolve the more and more he plays. You know, what about the other fourth-round pick, though? Because for some reason, the Green Bay Packers historically knock it out of the park in the fourth round. Can't pick to save their lives in the third, but knock it out of the park in the fourth. And I'm talking Zach Tom. Yeah, Zach Tom. Ending the year with a PFF grade of 68.3. Pass blocking grade was 78.1, which is fantastic for a rookie. Run blocking grade, 55.7. Yes, that pass blocking grade was one of the top pass blocking grades for all rookies across the NFL on the offensive line, regardless of position. It's fantastic. He was active in nine games, gave up one sack, 12 pressures. 12 pressures, one sack, across a grand total of 296 pass-blocking snaps. Now that in and of itself is remarkably impressive for a fourth-round rookie, but diving even deeper, what truly is impressive about Zach Tom is the Elton Jenkins that he has in his game. His versatility to go from position to position across all five of the spots. The only one that he didn't play this year was center, and he did that in college for a stretch, so you know he can do it. But this year, he logged snaps at left tackle, left guard, right guard, right tackle. In fact, if you want the exact numbers, at left tackle, he logged 295 snaps. Left guard, 96. Right guard, 14. Right tackle, 84. And even towards the end of the year, as Yash was struggling with a shoulder injury, Zach Tom came in and played competent right tackle in some of their biggest games of the year against Minnesota and against Detroit. The Packers have found something special in the fourth round. Yes, you have Romeo Dobbs, but Zach Tom really coming out of nowhere. He absolutely has Pro Bowl potential, and he receives the grade of an A. Not only for performing well, but doing it wherever asked, with however little preparation he had. Do you remember the, the David Bakhtiari appendix game? Zach Tom all of a sudden just, oh, okay, I'll go play left tackle. Sure. <laughs> for a rookie, it's absurd. It's incredible, and Zach Tom deserves all the praise in the world. 
Moving on to the fifth round, there we have rookie, edge rusher, Kingsley Enigbare. Yeah, I think at times, I do, I think at times Enigbare got kind of overrated by the Packer faithful. I mean, still, his production level for a fifth round rookie, filling in for Rashawn Gary, was incredibly admirable. He did do very well, and you certainly see great flashes of pass rush ability. But it's not like he was Rashawn Gary. It's not even like he was Preston Smith. Not that anyone expected him to be, but the verbiage towards the end of the year, I think, for a lot of people got there. That, oh, we can cut Preston Smith because now we have Kingsley Anigbare. And granted, he does have a world of potential. Played very, very well. This year, he had 21 tackles, 18 stops. So he stopped 18 offensive plays dead in their tracks. Three sacks, grand total of 25 pressures. That's remarkably good. Would I rely on him to be a guaranteed starter day one next year? Yeah. Now I think we may be pushing it. He finished with a PFF grade of 61.4. His notable grades here to me, 61.3 on pass rush, 88.5 in coverage. Now granted, he didn't drop into coverage a lot, but still, that grade is stupid good. He played in every single game and logged at least 20 snaps a game from week 7 through the end of the season. And like I said, filled in remarkably well for Rashawn Gary. But is he of that caliber yet? No, and that's okay. He did have a missed tackle percentage of 12.1%, so you'd like to see that cleaned up a bit. You'd like to see him add a little bit of strength, not unlike Zach Tom, who I was talking about. But still, ultimately, did the Packers find a really good piece here in the fifth round? Oh, absolutely. And this grade is a B plus because at minimum... He is an excellent rotational piece for the foreseeable future. Am I ready to make him day one guaranteed starter? No. But are all the tools there for him to become that? Yes, absolutely. But in the direct context of 2023, I think you have an excellent rotational piece for your edge. And that is already tremendous. Now let's skip ahead to the seventh round. Yes, four seventh rounders for the Green Bay Packers all played a varying amount. The most notable of which, in my mind at least, was probably Tariq Carpenter, the first of their seventh rounders. PFF grade for special teams was 54.7. Yes, I gave the special teams grade, not the overall defense grade, because he had way more snaps on special teams than he did on defense. And that's really, I mean, like he was active for 14 games in special teams, logging snaps while active for three games on defense. The most of which, the most active defensive game he actually was in was 13 snaps against Minnesota. As a gunner, or flyer, as Rich Bisaccia calls them, he had seven tackles this year, one miss. Overall, what you saw towards the end of the year was someone who was very good at that gunner spot. Someone who really could chase down individuals. And we knew coming out of college that one of the big things with him was superior athleticism and speed. And we see it. And like just like in the preseason, he has developed into a very good open field tackler. Is he going to crack the safety room and becoming a starting safety? We don't know. But at the very least, the Packers have found themselves a competent special teams contributor. Grade of C+. Now, the next two are a little bit more difficult. The next one would be Jonathan Ford. Yes, that's 6'5", 338-pound mountain of a man. Seventh-round pick. Ultimately, he didn't play a single snap this year. He was a healthy scratch the vast majority of the year. They never put him on the practice squad because they must have been afraid of losing him. So he's a healthy scratch basically every single game. How do you grade that? Incomplete, right? Was he there to fill a niche purpose? Maybe. 
Maybe that's why they kept him on the 53, so that they could call him up if ever needed. If they ever just needed a uh, a Terrence Cody type, I think was his name, for Baltimore years ago, or a, a Gilbert Brown type just to absorb space. Maybe. But ultimately, we don't know. Hopefully, he can contribute in year two. The next one, also an incomplete grade, would be seventh-round pick Rashid Walker. He had four special team snaps in the one game that he played. Seemed to do okay with those four snaps. Uh, it was on uh, it was on field goal blocking, so seemed to do okay. But he was predominantly healthy scratches throughout the year. He did have some ups and downs with uh, with injury. So you know, ultimately, this is a guy who you like his potential coming out of college. A lot of people thought that he was a draft steal, but as for a rookie year, relatively incomplete. Just didn't see the field. And then the last Packers draft pick, Samare Toure. Yes, the wide receiver. PFF grade of 49.3. Notable would be his 57.6 run blocking grade. He was active for every game from week 7 on to the end of the season, and ultimately he ended with 5 catches, 82 yards, and 1 touchdown. This is a guy who I think has decent potential to be a rotational wide receiver, but I think if you're banking on him being in amongst the top 3, 4 wide receivers for 2023, I think you're still probably stretching a little bit. 5 catches, 82 yards, 1 touchdown, and 1 fumble on the year. He did not have any drops, which is of course good. But I know some people who really love him and really love his potential. And I guess I just don't see it that much. He's a good wide receiver, don't get me wrong. But do I see these physical, amazing tools? Not entirely. You know that he was on the same page with Aaron Rodgers for some really quality work in the middle of the season, but he just could not get any playing time thereafter. And again, does that come down to the coaches? Does it come down to Toure? Or does it just come down to the fact that Dobbs and Watson were together and healthy? Cobb, too, at the end of the year. So Toure just kept on. He kind of peaked in the middle of the year with playing time because of all these injuries. And then as the season went on, he just played less and less, and that was it. So ultimately, we don't know his potential. We do know that he's a competent wide receiver. You do know that he's a nice depth piece at minimum moving forward. But is he much more than that? Hey, you got five catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown out of a seventh-round receiver. At the end of the day, we call that a C-plus, because you got something out of a seventh-round receiver. Thanks so much for joining me on Lombardi Time Bruce today. Don't forget, check out Friday's video about the salary cap and all this Aaron Rodgers talk. All the days of our lives and all this stuff going on with Aaron Rodgers on Friday. So, hope you have an absolutely wonderful day today. Uh, yeah, that's it. Let's just leave it there. As always, Go Pack Go.